Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we are bringing you Minute number 46, the first appearance of one Mr. Walter J. Peck. Actually, I don't know if his middle name is J, but I It's uh, M. M. Walter M. M. Peck. What yeah. does the M stand for? The M, I think it's like Margate or something. Yeah, I think and I that, read that too. That comes from uh, a cut scene that he was going to be in in the original draft of uh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, wow. Well, we can get into that in a little bit. I know what you're talking about because I think I read the same stuff. So, hey, Brady, how you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty fantastic. Uh, ready to get into minute number 46 here because I have some very interesting notes on uh, the EPA's zoning regulations that we can get into. You know, all sorts of that, all sorts of fantastic, interesting stuff about zoning regulations and voting districts. That's what we're all about here at Ghostbusters Minute, right? Well, yeah. Let's get into the good stuff. So, hey, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go ahead and jump on into minute number 46. In the previous minute, we saw Ray Stance showing Winston Zedmore how the containment unit worked. At minute number 45's end, Janine informed Venkman that there was someone from the EPA in his office waiting to speak to him. At minute number 46, Peter Venkman walks into his open-air office as the phones ring away. Venkman asks Janine if she's going to answer the ringing phone. Janine says, I've quit better jobs than this, then answers the phone with a, Ghostbusters, what do you want? At 4608, Venkman walks over to a scowling man who is sitting beneath a map of New York City and asks him, can I help you? The man introduces himself as Walter Peck, a representative for the Environmental Protection Agency. Venkman shakes Peck's hand, leaving slime residue on Peck's palm. As Peck is removing a handkerchief from his pocket to clean off the slime, Venkman wipes his palm on Peck's shoulder, leaving another patch of slime on his jacket. At 4618, Peck asks Peter, are you Peter Venkman? Venkman responds with the affirmative, yes, I am Dr. Venkman. Walter Peck then asks Venkman what he's a doctor of. Venkman tells him that he has PhDs in both parapsychology and psychology. Walter Peck responds, I see, and do you catch ghosts? At 4640, Peck asks Venkman how many ghosts he has caught. Venkman tells Peck that he is not at liberty to say. Peck then asks Venkman where they keep the ghosts. Venkman tells Peck that they are kept in a storage facility. Peck asks if the Venkman if the facility is located on the premises. Venkman confirms that it is. At 4657, Peck asks Venkman if he can see the storage facility. So, not really a whole lot going on in this minute other than kind of a back-and-forth chess game, if you will, between Venkman and Peck. Yeah, I actually had a, a note on how the movie's really starting to enter kind of adult territory. Uh-huh. I mean, we're hearing about the Environmental Protection Agency, and right. people are threatening it. People are threatening... Uh, each other with like lawsuits and right. you know with this just this real sort of world like, stuff yeah this sort of like um yeah there's just this sort of like adult interaction where they're trying to be threatening but they're still doing it in a sort of like sophisticated way right and uh and then just yeah all the legal talk and everything like that this so it's going from like something that everyone could understand children and adults into stuff that only adults are going to be able to understand and uh, it's it's interesting that the movie sort of takes that turn. And shortly after this, the movie is just going to start taking a more adult and dark turn. And it's doing so kind of relentlessly. And I really applaud the uh, the movie for that. Yeah, it, things really ramp up after this point. Now, Peck is the first real-world bad guy we've seen in this movie. We had kind of some little inklings of it earlier with Dean Yeager, and then we have the hotel manager, these stiffs, right? Peck is the only one that can really back anything up. Even though Yeager did come in and fire all of them, you know, Peck is the one that actually has the power to shut the Ghostbusters down. And he comes in and is really a force to be reckoned with. I have to yeah. say that he kind of stands up to, to Dr. Venkman, and, you know, again, can see through all of his stuff, but Venkman in turn stands up to him as well. So we have um, the first antagonist introduced at this point, and then we'll get to Vince Clortho's appearance, uh, you know, kind of first appearance here at the end of this week, uh, as far as the minutes go. 
So we're getting, like you said, the tension is starting to ramp up. The bad guys are starting to ramp up. Things really kind of take off from this moment, and they don't slow down until the very end of the movie. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Peck did come back for the Ghostbusters video game, which is yeah. apparently in canon. He was also in an episode of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. So you told me earlier that there was a scene that was edited out or a scene that was uh, written that was taken out of the Ghostbusters 2, yeah. which would have had Walter Peck in it. He was going to be showing up uh, to the stand in the court scene in Ghostbusters 2, and I didn't really get any more details than that. But uh, mm-hmm. they do mention his middle name in that scene, apparently, which is like Margate or something. Margate. But, uh, huh. Yeah, like I said, he was in an episode of the real Ghostbusters cartoon called Big Trouble with Little Slimer. Yeah, so, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So Walter Peck introduces himself as representing the EPA's third district. You remember that? He's like, yeah. I'm Walter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency's third district. That doesn't exist. The third region of the EPA oversees Delaware, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is known as the Mid-Atlantic region. So there's no District 3. See, and that's that's probably intentionally done, so that they could get out from under... Well, I have a theory about that. Let me just okay. read a couple things real quick. So New York would fall under Region 2, and is included with New Jersey, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the eight... Native American tribal nations in the United States. If Walter Peck is referring to the 3rd District of New York, that he is representing the district that includes most of the north shore of Long Island. Uh, it expands from northwestern Suffolk County uh, across northern Nassau County and as far as into north, northeastern Queens. So the Ghostbusters headquarters, as we've said, the, the hook and ladder number 8, it's located in Tribeca, which is part of lower Manhattan. That's located in the 10th District. So either the screenwriters added the 3rd District thing as an aside, uh, it was either ad-libbed on set, or, here's my theory, Walter Peck is acting outside of his jurisdiction and had no authority to shut down the Ghostbusters in the first place. Okay. So... The court order we have him come in with at the very end, he's got the chief of police with him and then the Andy Dick looking dude who's there, the engineer, to shut everything down who comes from like the Department of Public Works or something like that. I imagine all these guys probably were wrangled in under some sort of legal manner, but it's entirely possible that Walter Peck comes in, is acting completely outside of his jurisdiction to shut the Ghostbusters down. And it's down. now like a personal vendetta against Venkman, yeah. so to speak. Exactly. We don't really see him overstepping his boundaries in the minutes that, le- that come after this where he's talking to Peter. I think all the requests that he makes are t- entirely within the scope of his job, you know, to come into a new business and say, hey, maybe you guys didn't leave any filings, you know, when you started this business about how you're going to operate these uh, this equipment. The EPA needs to come in and make sure that there's no, you know, nuclear waste leaking into the water system or anything like that. Embankment, and we'll talk about this in the next minute, really kind of escalates things where they're not needed just because it's mm-hmm. a kind of a battle of balls <laughs> to, you know. That sounds gross. Um, so anyway, so Walter Beck, my theory is that the guy, if, if we're going to be talking fan theories, and I really hate to delve into fan, fan theories because it's almost like just kind of like, this is the thing I was yeah, thinking when I was in the shower today. I, I agree, but this is different. But Walter Peck is not representing, there, there's no third district for the EPA. That's not something that exists. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It reminded me of a, of a moment in um, Prometheus where the ship is coming out of hypersleep and uh, David goes in to talk to... Um, the, uh, the character Charlize Theron's playing. I can't remember her name all of a sudden. And he, she asked him how long they've been out there. And she said, he says something like two years, five months, three days, and 46 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that wouldn't be a right measurement of time because 46 hours is over 24 hours. You would say four days and then add up the remaining hours, right? Yeah. So that was just something that uh, Michael Fassbender just said on the set. It was just something that came out in an ad lib. He wasn't thinking. He was just in character and riffing. Okay. So I'm wondering if— Hold on, hold on. Another fan theory. I know we said we wouldn't go into these, but uh-huh. you know how like 
Ash, an alien, shows that the droid models can malfunction uh, and everything. Yes. This might have been something like that. Who knows? He had like a capacitor go wrong and it made him add up all yeah. the days the wrong way. Yeah, very possible. But anyway. from what I've heard, that was just something that he said on set. That, you know, the, he's just an actor and sometimes nobody catches this kind of thing because when you're on set, you're trying to get everything in and, you know, shut down the set by a certain point in the day. So I'm wondering if William Atherton just said Third District. I don't know. I haven't read the shooting script. I don't know if that's what's in there. But little point. I thought it was kind of interesting. So Yeah. Uh, when Peter is, I'm sorry, yeah, when Peter is sitting at his desk, there's a bag of Wise potato chips that can be seen behind Peter Bankman. Have you ever had Wise potato chips? No, I haven't, but I do remember Christopher from uh, Proton Charging, when he was a guest on a, our show, had a little interesting note about that. He did, yeah, and he's right. It's, so it's a brand that is only sold on the eastern seaboard. So you and I have never had that. It's it's not something that we get yeah, down here no. in Louisiana. We have Zaps potato chips and then Lay's and all that other stuff. But so yeah, they're shooting over in California, like Christopher was saying. They made a point to pick up the the kind of potato chips that Peter would be eating at his desk yeah. and bring them all the way over there. Peter's desk is disgusting. It really, his whole office is. Yeah, it's like it's it's got so much filth. I think you, there's the picture hanging behind him. Yes, the picture that is on the wall uh, over the desk is an actual photograph of. The firehouse interiors, uh, and it's like a kind of horse-drawn fire engine from way back in the day, and that picture is actually taken from inside the same room. So, and you can find it online, uh, but I had never really known, I'd always wondered since I was a little kid what that picture is of, and then doing some research uh, before we started the show, um, I, I found out what it was. So that picture is not of the New York Tribeca Hook and Ladder Number Eight. It's of the California, correct? The, the interior, which I, I can't remember the the fire yeah, stations call off numbers, but it's, yeah. it's the same room. That's really cool. That's really cool. But then everything else he has is. I, I thought I saw another picture with it with in in the same area without the horse drawn uh, fire buggy on it. But mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But I did. I was trying to figure out what was on the desk behind him. He has like a few binders that are sitting there. And the only thing I could, the only thing I could make out was the numbers 1984 on one of them. So I guess those are like bookkeeping things. You yeah, know, like for the year 90. If I mean, I'm pretty sure you can see uh, like a PhD or something behind Walter in one of the scenes. Mm-hmm. But if anyone out there knows what any of this stuff is, please yeah. email us and tell us ghostbustersminute at gmail.com because I'm I'm fascinated with uh, with those details. If they got the wise potato chips thing right, imagine what all that other yeah. stuff says. And there's a couple of gargoyles too. And that's I was right. trying to figure out like what these gargoyles are because there's one that's holding its face and it kind of looks familiar. Like, oh, I've seen this gargoyle before. I couldn't figure out where the heck I had seen it before, which was funny because I actually did a lot of gargoyle research on this show, which we'll come back into yeah. minute number 49. And you know what's also interesting on that note? Um... So the Ghostbusters like toy line that came out, they had the fire engine uh, house and everything. There were little decals that you could put on there, and um, one of them had like a, uh, a soda can or something that was all crumpled up and stuff like that. I always yeah. thought that was neat that they're including just the sort of like disgusting, yeah, uh, lived-in feel, and even down to like the toy line, yeah, and something as as simple as that. Uh, it's interesting. I guess I, I, I could see cartoon Peter Venkman like crushing a can of uh, Diet Right or something like that after a hard day of busting ghosts. So, yeah. uh, all right. So, w- well, let's talk for a minute about William Atherton as Peter as as a uh, Walter Peck. Yeah, uh, great performance. He's yeah, very so good. he makes you hate him so much right off the bat. You he know, really, yeah. he's got this scowl on his face the first time you see him when Peter's going over to shake his hand. He's sitting underneath the map like he's been sitting there all day waiting for Peter. Yeah, you know? and he refuses to call him Doctor Venkman. It's That's always right. Mr. Vankman. He keeps Mr. Vankman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I like the performance a lot. Like I was saying, the movie starts to get into sort of adult territory. And I, I don't know if you've ever, when you were a kid, you saw adults sort of like getting into it or anything. But they're always kind of doing it with this smile. And it's all treated very, uh, I don't know, with a certain, I don't know, just um, 
It's a manhood measuring contest. Yeah, totally. I got into one of these the other night. I didn't get into it. I was drawn into one the other night, mm-hmm. you know, with somebody and I had met for the first time and it was instantly like after the handshake, it was all this kind of like, what do you do? What do I do? And I was like, dude, I'm the host of Ghostbusters Minute. <laughs> so you need to get a bigger ruler. Okay. <laughs> you just sort of started channeling William Atherton. I didn't have to. I just said Ghostbusters Minute, and the dude just like threw his hands up. Exactly. And he was like backed off, and he was like, here, here, just take He started handing me money. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Ghostbusters Minute can't be bought. We are a fan-supported podcast. And God, speaking of which, if you want to be a supporter... If you want to be a supporter of Ghostbusters Minute, visit <laughs> patreon.com slash Minute. Anyway, you were saying? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, nothing. Just that I, I like the performance. Um, yeah, William Atherton's been in a lot of other stuff. Uh, he was a huge actor in the 1980s. You might recognize him from Sugarland Express, looking for Mr. Goodbar. Of course, real genius. He had a part in that. And then, of course... Uh, why isn't there a movie minute after this? He was in Die Hard one and two. That's right, and Biodome. Yes, so Biodome. Also, yeah. Biodome minute, man. I know that they made comment of that. Um, seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, I've seen him in interviews and stuff like that. He does seem like a really, really nice guy. Uh, but he, um, after this movie, he started getting roles that were sort of in line with this. Yeah, the corporate jerk. Well, he nailed it. He did. He yeah. did. Um, I'm sure at some point, you know, he wants to play Macbeth or something like that. But if he, if you do in Hollywood, if you nail a character right out the gate, that's all they ever, you, you get typecast for it. But that's great because yeah. if they ever need that character, they're going to go back to William Atherton saying, hey, we need the stuck up, you know, like uh, business type for this movie. There's a uh, story that Ivan Reitman tells where a school bus of little kids drove by William Atherton shortly after this movie came out and they all leaned out the windows and, and yelled, hey, Dickless, you know, <laughs> referencing to what Peter calls him later. Right. And he's just oh, the poor guy. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. But hey, you know, he nailed it. That's what he gets for doing such a great job. That's true. Ever, forever remembered as this guy. So there's a little touch that you see later that you might not have ever noticed. It's really subtle. And it's when he's just sort of like uh, walking around the um, walking around Peter's office. And you barely see, kind of in the corner of the shot, Janine's head sort of peeking around, <laughs> looking at what's going on and everything. And uh, I never noticed that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, she's kind of like peeking out from behind the file cabinet. It's really funny. That's hilarious. It's so weird that he has that open-air office. I know we talked about this a few times, but it's like nobody else has an office. It's just him right there behind yeah, Janine, and it's, it's just open to where anybody can hear anything. Right, and there's like glass walls on the side of it, which yeah. I don't, it leads me to believe that, I don't know, that like leads to something else. And it's something that we talked about in the future. I would really love to see the rest, uh, and like an expert exploration of the rest of the firehouse yeah and know what that's all about and uh yeah i mean we, we talked i think it was with um the episode with it christopher stewart uh, from proton charging mentioned i think i think it was him that we talked about maybe mark landry back in a f- uh, former episode where we were trying to figure out the geography of the that's firehouse. right yeah because we saw there were poles that are not referenced that's that right. would be going through staircases and things like that yeah yeah and like where the bedrooms are situated in the firehouse. So I don't know, man, I would love to, to see stuff like that. But, uh, well, it's one thing they did really well in the 2016 Ghostbusters answer the call. The use of space in that movie was very realized. Like you knew exactly where everything was. Chinese restaurant downstairs, car garage to the left. And then they had basically one room where they did all the work out of, you know? Yeah. So they, they definitely let you know, like this is where spatially everything is. That's something that's very important in movies is to get this, you know, the space right for what the viewer is seeing or else things won't add up. It's very cool though. When they don't explore that because it lets your imagination just kind of run wild with this setting, uh, that you, you just, you want to explore so much, but I don't know, you'll never be able to. So you can just kind of use your, Oh, headcanon, if you will, and go yeah. design it yourself. That was one cool so. thing they did with the video game, too, is you could, as the rookie, you could That's walk right. around. And they had, like, Vigo's painting there in the office and everything, and you could talk to it. But you could go upstairs and see, like, where the arcade machines were yeah. compared to where the pool table was, compared to where they fixed the proton packs and all that And they that kind stuff. of explored a little bit more in Ghostbusters, too. But uh-huh. um, 
Yeah, interesting stuff. So that's all I've got for this minute. How about you? That's all I've got for this minute as well. So tomorrow we're going to have our friend Chris on. Now, Chris is just a dude. He's just like one of us guys who loves the Ghostbusters. You know, he doesn't host a podcast or anything like that, but he does have a very in-depth knowledge of Ghostbusters. He's a lifelong fan. And uh, we just kind of wanted to have him on to share his his passion for Ghostbusters. That's right. And he does a He's a funny dude, too. So (laughs) He does a great Walter Peck impression. Awesome. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. All right, folks, well, join us again tomorrow for episode number 47, where Chris, not Christopher Stewart, Chris, our buddy Chris, will be on to talk about Walter Peck. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we are here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at GhostbustersMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at GhostbustersMinute.com, Facebook.com slash GhostbustersMinute, Twitter.com slash GBMinute, and look us up on Instagram at GhostbustersMinute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.